My mic sound nice. Check one. My mic sound nice. Check two. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Motown Philly Podcast. I am your co-host Tim Golden here with my co-host. It's your boy Jason Hall. What up though? Jason Hall, what up though? The what up though? Is how they do it in the D, Detroit, Michigan, with from home of Motown Records, Barry Gordy, Rita Franklin, so many other R&B greats, and Philly of the Motown Philly Podcast is yours truly, Tim Golden, home of the likes of Kevin Hart, Will Smith, Hall & Oates, Temple University, even though they ain't let me in the graduate school there. I ain't gonna hate they, was they was hating. They was hating. They was hating. It's all they good. Know. They didn't it know. It was all good. It was all good. Motown Philly folks, listen. Welcome to episode what up, y'all? 18. Jason, episode 18. You know what that means. That means that with episode 18, we grown now. We can move out the house. They call us adults up in this piece. We we up here grown on y'all. With Age no, 18. With no job. <laughs> no job. <laughs> oh man welcome welcome to our awesome awesome listeners episode 18 of the motown philly podcast before we go any further jason and i always like to take time to express our gratitude you know i think jason will tell you this and i know i i know i certainly will gratitude is one of the organizing principles of my life i do my very best to remain grateful despite whatever difficulties I may be going through. And I am so thankful for all of you who are listening. Communication is a two-way street. It's what mm-hmm. we say. It's what mm-hmm. we hear. If nobody's hearing, nobody's listening. If nobody's listening, Jason and I have zero chance of success. And mm-hmm. the fact that you are listening, that you are downloading, that you are sharing, that you are allowing us into the space of your lives on a regular basis to keep you company as you go through your daily activities. Jason and I don't take that for granted. So I just want to say thank you. And Jason, I know you want to say thank you too. Yeah. Yeah, guys, we, we really appreciate it. Like we really thank, we really thank you. We're, we're, there's a sense of gratitude every time that Tim and I hop on and record this podcast that we don't want to gloss over the fact that that time is is our greatest asset and the fact that y'all are using some of your 24 hours in your day to take a listen to chime in lean in if you will and to just be a part of the conversation of what Tim and I are expressing or exploring we do not take your, take that for granted. The time that you spend uh, in listening and, and, and wanting to be a part of it and even sharing and writing, uh, writing uh, reviews, just whatever that you contribute to this, we're, we're grateful for. And, and, and Tim is right. We love y'all. We love y'all so much. And we just thank you for listening. So we want to make sure that you know that and that Jason and I never take you for granted. Before we get into episode 18 this week, it's important for Jason and I to express how heavy our hearts are Mm -hmm. because of the loss of a bright light. Yeah. 
in American culture. And mm-hmm. that is the tragic death of Twitch. Those of you who know him, he was the DJ on the Ellen DeGeneres show for years, brought, always brought great energy, mm-hmm. always had such an infectious smile. And it's so sad that earlier this week, he took his own life. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's awful. It reminds me of a poem, Jason, by Paul Lawrence Dunbar called We Wear the Mask. You would never know that Twitch was really in any sort of crisis because Mm -hmm. what we saw on the outside Mm -hmm. was him being his happy, jovial, positive energy spreading self. Yeah. And Paul Lawrence Dunbar said we... Part of his poem said, we wear the mask that shades our eyes. Uh, We wear the mask that grins and lies, rather. We Mm. wear the mask that grins and lies, that hides our cheeks and shades our eyes. This debt we pay to human guile with torn and bleeding hearts. We Mm. smile. And as someone who was probably just about seven days from taking his own life about Mm -hmm. nine years ago in 2013. I can tell you that when a person is close to doing that, you almost become more content. You almost Mm -hmm. become more positive as that time draws near because you know the pain is about to end. And the thought of the pain ending is so pleasant that it may actually bring a smile to your face. So I'm, I'm heartbroken and I'm heartbroken because as a black man in America, I know there's so many brothers out there, Jason, who are walking around, walking around wearing the mask. The mask that grins and lies, hides our cheeks, shades our eyes, this debt we pay to human guile with torn and bleeding hearts. Twitch, smile. I'm sad. Uh, I'm heartbroken for him, for his wife, for his beautiful children. I'm just at a loss for words, Jason. Um, Tim, there's a sense in my in my body that i that i couldn't ignore and even as we speak about it now i cannot ignore tim i it's you made it clear that twitch was a part of the culture if you will our present culture and he was a a light that shined in this culture that was that had a platform and what he chose to share from his platform was always a positive light. The energy that he had was infectious, which is one of the reasons why um, Ellen chose to put him on a show. Like he's, he was dubbed as a DJ, but to know his true story, he was a dancer with no real DJ experience. However, who he was 
and how his attitude about life, it demonstrated such a, a beam of joy, light, and love. I, when his passing was announced, it was like, it, it was some familial presence of, of, of losing someone in a distant way. Like you, um, like we've mentioned, like, of course we didn't, we don't know Twitch, Stephen boss as is his real name, but we felt a sense of, you know, a part, a real sense of someone who we kind of know or have the, is it would had, had to leave this world or left this world under his own, his own power and it's sad that none of us could really stop him from doing that because he pre presented in a way though as if there was no problem that he was suffering from but in all actuality as you stated he was suffering and with you mentioning not too long ago seven years or so ago that you too were in that dark place and contemplated taking your life and just a psychological thought process of knowing in some way you were, you were beginning to sense relief from the pain made you content, made you even in some ways happy or anticipating a level, uh, a level of joy, if you will, to say that this, this, this extreme discomfort that is constant and persistent will soon be over. And all oh, the joy, if you will, of when that moment comes, because th th then and only then will I have relief. So it's almost like worlds get flipped upside down and the joy that you that you shared or, or desired to share with so many people, another type of joy is pulling you or calling you, if you will, to, to maybe an inner joy that one is, that one wants to experience and not just give in a giving way. So let's just be honest, Tim and I are, are, are not here to try to make sense of that because we can't. Um, I too feel the grief of losing someone this world losing a light that was very present in our culture and society who only seemed to give off positive vibes and he left behind a beautiful family that in this day and during this christmas season when 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 people are supposed to be thinking or about family and togetherness and when i say supposed to be it's just it's almost it's to the culture when one wants to be or family they desire and they they travel and they make they make plans to be with each other like he in a, in, in some way in a, or in a huge way is leaving a, a a legacy of emptiness during this time that those that his family will never never forget bro and it is sad so we we're going to dedicate this particular uh, episode to in the memory of Twitch and the light that he chose to sh shine and share to this world. Thank you, Jason. And just before we do, I don't 
Jason and I say all the time that we don't have any of the answers. We don't mm-hmm. have all the answers. We hope we ask the right questions. We're not perfect. We're not authority sitting on some perch of epistemic and metaphysical knowledge to tell everybody this is how things are and this is how you can get yourself together. Jason and I, I think we'll both tell you that we're both still trying to get ourselves together <laughs> in the process. I, right. Lord have mercy. I know I am. Amen. And I'm sure he'll tell you the same, but mm-hmm. I do want to offer just a couple of tips to counteract the toxic influence of the culture that we live in. And uh, just before we move into to our subject for today, topic one, regulate your time on social media. Mm. It's almost impossible mm. to, to remove yourself from social media entirely in 2022, soon to be 2023. It's almost impossible. You're going to find yourself involved in it. But ask yourself some critical questions before you get involved with it or while you are engaging it. Number one, is this worth my energy? Do I need to direct my energy to this? Mm -hmm. Should I be paying attention to what people say in the comments? We're going to talk about this next year in some detail in the month of January, but I gave a TED talk some years ago. And when I gave that TED talk about my story as an emotion, as a male emotional abuse survivor who was in an abusive marriage and had an abusive spouse, I knew that once I did that, that story was no longer mine, that it belonged to the world. Yeah. Since then, over 1.3 million people have looked at my TED talk on YouTube and a lot of them have made comments and many of the things that people have said are not nice, Mm -hmm. but I don't even read them. I don't read the comments because it doesn't belong to me anymore. You can't argue with my story, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) My story is my story. You can be mad at it. You might not like it. You might not even like me. So number one, ask yourself, is this worth my energy? So regulate your time on social media. Be careful with that. Mm -hmm. Number two, For black men, especially, there's a lot of dating know-it-alls out there in the culture who will tell you, don't be friends with a woman. Men and women can't be friends. As a black man in America in 2022, I want to sort of push back on that and say that black men need friends whenever, wherever they can find them. Yeah. And if you find, as a black man, you find yourself friends with a woman who really cares for you. Not, not, I'm not, I'm not talking about a romantic relationship, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but if you find a woman who has a platonic sense of, of care for you and who will call you and check on you, yeah. don't you listen to these dating, so-called dating gurus out there who will tell you not to waste your time. Uh, you might not want to waste your time trying to pursue them romantically. Right. But that doesn't mean you can't be friends. It doesn't have to be an either or. Right. Right. You can you can have you can have a female friend. You know, the, the friend zone might not be the worst place in the world for you. I know it's hard, brothers, especially if you like her. If you like her and she don't like you back at some point, we have to learn that having a friend is better than isolating ourselves and having no friends at all. True. Whether they are men or women. And lastly, to my brothers 
who are members of the black church. Jesus suffered and died so you don't have to. So you wouldn't have to. Jesus, a black man, in mo most black churches will speak of Jesus as a black man. He lived his life with the calculus of a zero-sum game. He died so other people can live. Mm -hmm. And too many brothers, Jason, too many black men are told from pulpit and pew that you must live your life exactly like Jesus, that you must die so other people can live. Impossible. That you must take your mental health, your well-being, your physical well-being, your spiritual well-being, your emotional well-being, and you sacrifice all of that for the sake of your wife, for the sake of your children, for the sake of your parents. And so, so many black men out here are walking around with hypertension and heart disease because mm -hmm. they're taking care of everybody else but themselves. themselves. And the place where they're supposed to be able to go to get some solace and some care is the very place where they're told to keep it up or they're not a man. Mm. And that's the church. Mm. So to the pastors out there who are listening, you better check your theology. True. You better check your theology of the cross and you better stop telling black men, stop your false moralizing on black men. Stop telling black men that they're no good if they if they consider themselves in making a decision. Stop telling black men that they got to carry a bunch of burdens around and that they have to die so other people can live. Take up their cross. Yeah. Stop. Stop nailing black men to a cross every every Sabbath. If you're an Adventist pastor, every Sunday, <laughs> if you're a first day pastor, stop doing that. And stop telling, stop telling black men that being married long, that just because you married long, you can't be married wrong. Yeah. Stop it. Stop it. Black men, take a hold of your mental health. Live well. And remember, Jesus died so you don't have to. Oh, we got some more episodes on this, Jason, next year. I can feel it. I can feel it. We're going to let that go now. We're going to let that breathe. We're going to leave that alone right now. Well, listen, uh, God bless you, brothers. Take good care of yourselves and each other. Be friends. Have friends. Reach out. Love one another. Talk. Hit us up on social media if you need to talk. We're here for you. All right, Jason, episode 18. What are we talking about today, y'all? We're talking about emojis. Mm -hmm. And gifts, G-I-F-T-S, gifts, right. emojis and gifts. This is the season for giving. It's the Christmas season, and people are excited about giving gifts. And all, all day, every day, it seems somewhere in America, somebody's sending a text or a DM with a kissy face or heart eyes or a laughing face or a big smile or the one with the steam coming out the nose. And, you know, Jason, when I think about emojis, let's talk about emojis first. Okay. When I think about emojis, it got me thinking about ancient hieroglyphics. Hmm. You know how the Egyptians would sometimes write entire messages in a cave and they would use, instead of letters and words, they would use pictures, pictures of people doing different things and so forth. 
And so in preparation for today's episode, I looked up a few things about emojis and hieroglyphics. And I thought to myself, well, are emojis the 21st century version of hieroglyphics? And what I discovered is that in one sense, they're not because hieroglyphics did more than just convey a mood. Hieroglyphics actually was a way of, of spelling out words and phrases. And it was much, much more complex than what we have, what we do now. But then I started thinking about something. I started thinking about the, the emojis in terms of, cause there's all kinds of emojis, right? We, there's face emojis mm -hmm. and then there's emojis with pictures of things, right? Mm -hmm. So you have a basketball or you'll have uh, the heart or you'll have the 100 sign. You have the praying hands, right? You have all of these things, which, which tend to convey attitudes and moods. But then I started thinking about the face itself, the human face. And I thought there were three characteristics that I thought were very significant. Yeah. Characteristic one, the face is vulnerable. Yeah. The face is the face is always it's the only part of the human body that we always see. Right. It's the part of the human body that's not considered obscene. Mm -hmm. now, if you're a comedian, you're going to jump all on that with some jokes, but we're not doing stand ups here. Right. Ah. So the, the face is always visible. And that's what a lot of emojis are. They're, emo they're pictures of the face. So it's, it's visible. Mm -hmm. it's, high, it's ubiquitous, right? It's everywhere. It's almost a sort of omnipresence to the face. Right. It is vulnerable in that it is generally exposed, right. even on the coldest days. I mean, some people will, I guess, in more frigid Arctic reg regions wear ski masks mm -hmm. but for the most part the face is not only visible it is vulnerable and the third characteristic jason is that the face is almost sacred it's sacrosanct one of the worst things you can do is smack somebody in in the what face, face. the face is a sort of it's almost uh, an insult to I, smack somebody in the face. And what, what makes it so insulting is what the face's visibility and the face's vulnerability. So I think the face has a certain godlike quality mm -hmm. to it, right? Mm -hmm. The face is something that the Jewish philosopher Emmanuel Levinas, I'm going to just read this. This is a quote from Emmanuel Levinas's book, Totality and Infinity. I just want you to hear what he says about the face. He says, to posit the transcendent, that's God, as stranger and poor is to prohibit the metaphysical relation with God from being accomplished in the ignorance of men and things. In other words, you know what we do? We talk about God as Jesus does in the Gospels in Matthew chapter 25, I think it is, when he talks about the, the if you didn't do it to the least of these, you didn't do it into me. The reason why we do that, Emmanuel Levinas says, is because we don't want to get caught up 
in this idea of a beyond so that we're so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good to the people right in front of us. Sure. Right. Sure, sure. Next, he says, this is the sentence I wanted to read. The dimension of the divine opens forth from the human face. Mm. When I look at your face, it opens up a dimension of divinity because the face is visible, vulnerable, and sacrosanct. So when we send emojis in text messages or DMs or post them on social media or whatever we're doing with them, I'm wondering if that vulnerability, visibility, and sacredness does not follow those emojis wherever we send them. What do you think about that, Jason? Heavy. It's heavy. I'm processing what you're talking about. I, I, I'm so glad to be a part of this podcast and and the level that we kind of get to explore when it comes to things that we might think are mundane in life. And Tim and his and his philosophy and his mind of a, of a professor, he dives in and and here we are just wanting to or needing to really see how we can wrap our head around around these around this thought of an emoji emoji like just the idea that you brought out like of course i've never heard that and but it also makes sense at the same time even as we record this podcast tim and i this this podcast we promote this podcast as an audio episode or episodic like projection of what we're doing form of art if you will and but how we record it we record it on a zoom call so he and i look at each other are currently looking at each other in each other's face so we get to read each other like no other barely any other part of our body is exposed in our current um in our current picture makeup or camera makeup but we do see each other's expression in, in everything that we say and everything that we do, including this particular conversation. And true indeed, the face is exposed. Uh, it is vulnerable. And um, there is a level of sacredness to it. There is, there is something about the face. I can't necessarily quantify it, but I know that when I think of emojis, it's connected to it emojis is kind of like maybe the root word or uh a variation of the word emotions it, it is something that emotes if you will and when you add an emoji to a text whether it's a heart or whether it's a type of face one thing that tim and i often note that a lot of things can get lost in translation when it comes to texting just to just the text itself right and without emojis and if you're trying to be really detailed and deliberate in what you're saying or writing or texting you need to over explain because one can't hear tone they don't necessarily understand uh, body language context and a lot of times an emoji helps to give a projection of what someone is feeling or the sentiment, if you will, behind a certain 
text that was sent. And so in a shorthand form, when it comes to DM or texting, you're add to you're you're able to allow you're able and allowed to add an emoji that gives connotation, a certain or specific connotation to what you are trying to say. It helps. It enhances. It gives a little bit more clarity when we speak. And this podcast, of course, is about about communication, connecting and community. When we speak, especially in person, we get to we get to share what we're trying to convey, not just vocally, as far as expressive language, but we're also using the, the, the language of body language. Like there is a visual connotation that we take in in order to interpret what is being said, the message, if you will. So when you add what is audible, so you have my vocal volume, you have my tone, you have my level of pitch and what I'm saying and trying to, and trying to convey and then you add my presence, which gives you my facial expressions, as Tim was alluding to, and then my whole body disposition, you're going to fully have a, a texturized, if you will, a, a dynamic to what I am expressing. Like I said, Tim and I are currently on a Zoom and he can see me, but I'm using my hands as I'm expressing. And of course, he can see my face as I'm expressing too. And it's given off this type of energy or this type of emotion that there's some level of passion that I'm talking about in this, in this particular topic and all topics that we talk about, but especially when it talks about emojis and emoting and that face, the face emojis, like it, it, I think that might be, that's, it's an, it's, it's a very explicit, if you will, even if it's a soft smile, it lets, it gives tone. It gives, it gives context. It gives texture. And, um, I, Tim knows when we talk, here's a thing, Tim, <laughs> when we talk, Tim and I are two, uh, here's the thing. Here's, here's a, maybe a male, female dynamic. Tim and I, we really consider ourselves to be communicators. Um, we say in, in some ways, depending on what baseline people might find themselves on at times we can be hyper communicative and maybe in general, we could be hyper communicative and I, I don't, we, it needs to be controlled, but it's just like, that's kind of who we are. And it's not just like that verbally. It's like that sometimes. And even through our text and it, but we, when we text it shorthand, Tim will get an emoji for me because it, we know it's expressing a feeling. Like, it's not just what we're saying. You need to know the tone of how I'm saying it. And it really drives home whatever we're sharing at the time as our expression, you know, of how we're feeling. So uh, this thing, emoji, and it's sharing of back and forth interaction, it really helped. For me, it always has helped to kind of enhance the the communication the written communication a little bit more than just hey that's cool or hey i like that <laughs> right i i like what you're saying jason and the reason why i say that is because from day one here at the motown philly podcast what have we said we said that we not only want to address the rational side but the emotional side mm -hmm. of what it means to be a human being 
we like to address the totality of the human person as it relates to communication, connection, and community. And what's interesting is in a world in which I think only 15 or 20% of actual meaning is conveyed with words. Mm -hmm. When we send a text and it is just words, we're only conveying the rational side Mm -hmm. or what the Greeks would call the logos. Logos is the term in Greek that means word, reason, or language. So a text message that is all text gives you reason, but it doesn't give you the emotions, right? right? A text that is perhaps words with emojis integrated into it, or even emojis just at the end, gives you a fuller flavor of what the person is saying. And oftentimes those emojis will include the face, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, for example, if two people are talking, a man and a woman, and a man says, uh, I like you. And a woman says, I like you too. Right. Mm-hmm. You can look at one another. And you can see that face to face and you'll have a good idea of what that exchange means. But if you do that in a text message and all you send is a like you and the person replies like you too, and that's it, right? If the person replies like you too and three hard eyes, right? That might, you know, that says something. Right. That says to me, you like me, girl. Yeah, I like that. Right. And and the reason why I bring that up in that context is to say that when we do communicate with people, not only with words, but with emojis, we are sharing the visibility, the vulnerability and the sacredness of the human face with that person divinity that divine aspect of the face travels through social media pathways to reach another person because let's face it you're being more vulnerable when you send a text message with an emoji than you are if the message is just words there is a heightened level of vulnerability Totally. Totally. No, I had to think about it. If Mm -hmm. you share an emoji that indicates your mood, right? Mm -hmm. Even if it's, even if it's anger, Mm -hmm. right? Even if, even if you're mad at someone, you're not quite sure how they're going to receive what you're saying. You are, you are, you are transferring the visibility, the vulnerability and the sacredness of the face Mm -hmm. into a technological platform that is then transmitted over the social media pathways or text message pathways or what have you that says to the other person, here is what I think. And here is how I feel. And your arms are open wide and your arms are open. You're vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Now now we're back to episode two, right? Uh Jason, right. Right. Totally. No, I, I get that. Like, and I love that because like you're, it's like, 
you're sending a little part of the totality or piece of the totality of both aspects of the human person. Right. Yes. It's almost yeah. like, I, it's almost like as much as possible, both sides of us are showing up in this space so yeah. that you can understand me more fully, which is also more being more vulnerable to understand yeah. me fully is to let you see that you understand what I think rationally and how I'm feeling if you will, about said subject, right? That's right. That's exactly right. I'm going to tell you not only what I think rationally, but you're going to see how I feel. Isn't it interesting that we have to, we have to do more than just see with words. We have to read them. We have to process them. We have to comprehend them. But with the emojis, the impact is immediate. We don't have to do anything with them. We just receive them as they come to us, right? They come mm -hmm. to us. They have a much more immediate impact. It's almost like uh, words are sort of inferentialist. We have to draw inferences from words, but emojis are non-inferentialist. We don't have, there's no inferences necessary. We get them. The, our emotions are what they are. They show up and and if we're reading text messages carefully, then what we see is that the em emoji just sort of supplements what is already there. And maybe if we use one without the other, we there there's times, right? There are times mm -hmm, when we just mm -hmm. send all emojis, right? <laughs> right, right. When this is just something is really straight funny or really makes us angry or whatever the case is. But I think it's uh, it's always a good idea to communicate. I can't believe I'm saying this. To talk, talk about him. Shit. <laughs> it's always a good idea to communicate, especially if you get the sense that you're the person you are communicating with might misinterpret what's being said. Sometimes an emoji can help add context and clarity to your message I and, and i think that's important so it's a, it's, it really is a beautiful thing you know jason one of the one of the toxic things about our culture well one of the that word toxic i feel like is so overused i have to think of another word but dysfunctional one, of, one yeah, what, okay i'll take that one of the dysfunctional things about our culture is that men are not supposed to feel emotions or not supposed to express them Mm -hmm. I think that is a load of BS, and I don't mean Bachelor of Science. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> bovine, bovine fecal matter. Go ahead, go ahead and drop the first. Go ahead and drop the the first BS bomb on the podcast, chick. We grown. <laughs> we, 18, we eighteen. We we eighteen episodes in. Go ahead and drop that grown up word. It's, it's fecal matter that's either bovine, equine, or canine. Right. Mm -hmm. But rest assured, that, that is that view is dehumanizing to men. Why? <laughs> because a human being doesn't just have reason. A human being has emotions. And to tell men that you're not supposed to express yourself emotionally. Now, now there's conditions on how you should express yourself, right, Jason? We yeah. don't want to be like our friend Oliver and Nina from an episode we did a while back. You mm -hmm. got to, there's times when you got to run your emotions through your intellect 
so you don't sound creepy <laughs> or crazy, right? And it's times when you have to run your intellect through your emotions so you can have empathy. Oh, so that's what, good. We, what we're here to tell you at Motown Philly is that the two work together. And and I think we really want to push back against this cultural phenomenon or this cultural idea that men should ignore one to uh, men should ignore one oh, uh, in favor of the other mm -hmm. reason reason will get you will make you if you just rely on reason it will just turn you it will destroy your sense of compassion and it will destroy mm -hmm. your sense of empathy. If you just rely on the emotions, there's nothing wrong with wanting to do things for a person who you've fallen in love with or who you like or your crush, but everything is wrong with that out of context. You sound mm -hmm. creepy. You sound crazy. You, you know, weirdo, so, weirdo. So, exactly. So we have to figure out a way to have these two things work together. And that's what Jason and I are trying to do here at Motown Philly. And, I think we've I think we've I think we've discovered something, Jason, about emojis and communication. What's I that? think that the, the that is that the divinity, the divine characteristics of the face sort of carry themselves through our communicative practices in text messaging, direct messaging, what have you, social media posting, because they represent the visibility, the vulnerability, and the sacrosanct nature of the human face. So if we take Emmanuel Levinas seriously, every time we communicate with our reason and with our emotions, what we are doing is we are sharing God with one another. And I think that is a very compelling way to look at communication. I mean, it's just, it's amazing how emojis popped up on the scene. And we took to it as a as a culture in this in in this texting universe as like there was never a class on emojis. Hello, somebody like mm. like you said, it it's right. it's almost a part yeah. of us. If it, if it was put if it was put in us and it has a semblance of who God is and who he can, who he is, who he, how he represents himself in us. And it's. He has this communication with us and then we communicate with others. And now I have an ability to communicate with you via some type of manuscript or uh, text uh, messaging, if you will, and then add another element or not the, another element, add the element of, of emotion or vulnerability to that. It just continues to translate down to, you know, from its highest form down to a form where when we're talking writing or scripting, it's like it's maybe before in this in the scripting written form without emojis. I mean, come on, if we're writing a book, we're not putting emojis in there. However, there's a book that's solely written in emojis, like especially in this this conversational uh dialogue where we can often find ourselves intimate and connecting uh, to add emojis and use them as freely as we do who knows you think emojis are might nah, i don't i don't 
do you think they might get as sophisticated? They might come to a level of sophistication where they're in, they're in like professional, like <laughs> professional textbooks, like to help create, to help give energy to a, a type of text. I don't know. Chick. I, I don't know, Jason. I, I, I don't think, I think that a book that was composed uh, entirely of emojis would be something that we would have to sort of look askance at here at Motown Philly, because that strikes me as an over-reliance on the emotions, right? Well, it exists already, though. There is a book out there that's totally... There may be. I, I don't... I mean... I haven't read it. <laughs> I, well, apparently, you couldn't read it. You could only look at it, right? You can only look at the pictures. I'm all about the vulnerability, visibility, and sacrosanct nature of the face, but at the same time, that's only one half Part of, it. of the mm -hmm. human self, right? Mm -hmm. The human self isn't just emotion. Emoting, uh -huh. right? The human self is reason. So we need both. And I think if we over rely on, and listen, look, there's a time and a place for everything. I tell my students this, when you write your philosophy papers, don't, I don't need to see any emojis in a philosophy exam. I just don't need to see them. Now, I had a couple students who were very nice. They took their final exams recently, and a couple of them put emojis and wrote happy holidays. Thank you for a great class, Dr. Golden. And they put emojis there, and they would mm -hmm. put, a, put a face there with a smile and mm -hmm. clapping hands and say yay. And mm -hmm. That made me feel all warm and fuzzy. But that was after they wrote two essay questions, one about the difference between Hegel's and Kant's account of human consciousness and the other about Kierkegaard's and Nietzsche's different views of Socrates, right? Mm -hmm. So there will be, there's always a place for pathos, but pathos uh, always has to occur with logos. Uh, reason and the emotions work together. So... That's what I that's what I think about that, man. I, I think that we we live in a world where this is the way we communicate as much as I hate to say it. I don't think that elongated text exchanges are a substitute for the human face, because that's another thing that we have to consider that the, the human face is unsubstitutable. Mm. I can't I can't just replace someone else's face with mine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I can't just exchange one face for another because each face is different. Each face is connected to a life that has a different set of experiences, hopes, dreams, aspirations, and each face has to be respected on its own. Each face is in some sense representative of a range of infinite possibilities of mm. infinite potentialities. Mm. And if I just say, I'll just move one face out of the, out of the way for another, what I am doing is I'm truncating the identity of God because we associate infinity with God. And there are an infinity of things that we don't even know about ourselves, let alone about one another. So the face has to be respected in some sense, right? I think one of the worst things about our program of moral education is that we tend to teach morality in terms of how would you like it if someone did that to you? 
And when we do that, we are effectively substituting ourselves for the other person. So when we say that, we say, oh, I wouldn't like it. Well, you shouldn't not do something because you wouldn't like it. You should not do something because it caused pain to that other person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's wrong, not because you would feel bad, but it's wrong because it did harm to the person who it hurt. That's why we shouldn't do it mm-hmm. because it hurt them. That's that's and I think we have a bad habit of reorienting our morality around this substitutionary practice of moving the other person out of the way so we can install ourselves, say, how would this hurt me? Oh, yeah, I wouldn't like that. And therefore it's wrong. No, it's not wrong because it would hurt you. It's wrong because it, it hurt that hurt. person mm-hmm. and you can't substitute yourself for that other person. Because that other person's face and his vulnerability and his visibility and its sacredness represents an infinity of possibilities in the human, which in turn is an infinity of possibilities in the divine himself or God. So that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Yeah, so I think I think the face is the face is everything. I think it's part of as part of our communication. And I, I hope that something we said today on emojis, Jason, will will help people. Uh, think twice when they text and and realize the connection between how you're feeling and what you're saying or between your emotions and your reason put them together and try to get them to work with one another and i think you'll find it a lot easier to communicate to connect and to build more authentic and healthy community definitely so gifts jason Tis the season to be jolly. Yes, those gifts, guys, not the gifts, the G-I-F-S. Right. Because right, we, we're making a segue. Here's a squeaky segue. We're not talking about gifts with the F because we just right. finished emojis. We're talking about gifts. G-I-F-T-S. G-I-F-T-S. You know, Jason, this is the season of giving. We give gifts to one another. We do that as an expression of love and care and gratitude mm-hmm. sometimes. But I want to I want to approach this what gifts mean to us morally by approaching maybe what they mean legally, right? So legally there are three components to a valid gift in the law of property. Mm. There has to be an intent to give a gift. There has to be an actual delivery of that gift. And there has to be an acceptance of the gift. So intent, delivery, and acceptance. Morally, however, just because a gift is not accepted does not mean it was not given. Just because a gift, I'll say that again, it legally, if a gift is not accepted, there is no legal notion of a gift. A gift must be accepted in order for it to constitute a gift, according to the strict law of property. But morally, 
a gift can you can have two out of three and it still constitute a gift. You can have intent, you can have delivery, but you don't have to have acceptance. And the fact that it was not accepted does not mean that it had not been given. So what does it mean to give a gift that is not accepted? That doesn't make it any less of a gift. It means that maybe there's something that precedes the legal, right? Maybe there's something more to giving and gifts and giftedness than what we think at face value. I'm thinking of people who give gifts with the expectation of not getting anything in return or with a real awareness of the possibility that their gift might be rejected. Mm -hmm. What does that say about vulnerability? What does that say to us about uh, about the moral dimensions of gifts and gift giving? A man proposes to a woman and she says, I can't accept that ring. The ring was given, right? Mm -hmm. But it was not accepted. Uh, I, I think about this and i think that maybe morally speaking instead of gifts we ought to be thinking about givenness 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 mm -hmm. what it means to give something uh, and as i think about this i'm thinking about all of the vulnerability that goes along with giving because of course in john 3:16 we also celebrate this season if you're a christian we us we celebrate the the first advent of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He what gave, gave. His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gives a gift that many people refuse to accept. Does that mean the gift had not been given? And what are the implications of givenness and giftedness? In that context, Jason, you just dropped you just dropped that right in my lap, huh, buddy? You just just dropped that right in my lap. I don't I don't know if I have, and some type of existential like thought or reasoning about gifts. I, I as you men started to talk about gifts, I'm thinking about my own life experience, which is the only thing I can bring to the table, which is what we both do anyway. Um, we put the, the thought out there and we try and explore it, but I have my own experience with gift giving. I actually have recent one that I will not share with you guys right now, but eventually I probably will share, um, about gift giving. And I thought it was in this particular, uh, exchange of gift giving over time, uh, wasn't, didn't turn out to be quite fair at all. Uh, in its exchange process. And you really don't know the true intent always until maybe sometime just a little bit of evolution of time as you get to know a person. Because here's the thing, the gift and the giving is always connected to 
well, let's just call it what is always connected to a being, is always connected to someone. So gifts don't give each other, they don't also receive each other. It is a, some form of expiration, uh, um, expression, if you will, sorry, some form of expression from one to another. It's a manifestation, if you will, of, of someone's intent, as Tim said earlier, and it materializes. And because of the relationship, on whatever level it is, something is produced and wanting. And then the idea is to share it with someone with the hopes of acceptance. Like, I mean, oftentimes, sometimes, well, I think for the most part, you, you, we enter in relationships and we have, like I said, on whatever level, whether it's friendship, whether it's romantic, significant other or, or coworker, the, I, the overarching idea is that there is an intent, an idea, an intent that materializes to share with somebody with the notion of knowing, of, of just anticipating that this person will accept it, right? Like that is the idea of gift giving and receiving. Like you have an idea, it materializes into with the intent of the idea to give to share to to bring joy or to bring some level of 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 surprise if you will or just you know you give gifts to to stimulate someone to 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 be happy to to have some form of glee a lot of times and and it it depends on the disposition of the giver and the receiver as to that how that whole action how that whole interaction will like pan out and guess what yeah it doesn't happen in real time always sometimes time has to go by and then you look back on the experience of the gift that was given to really find out what that gift exchange was all about and it's connected to that person too. Still, like the intent of that gift. I'm ex- I'm getting I'm getting excited about this thing because yeah, gift giving in this season, we need to check ourselves on some level. You know, it's we shouldn't just go with the normal zeitgeist of culture and, and just say this is what we do. Understand what we do. Yeah, uh, me with my psych with my psychology background. I got into psychology because I always had this notion and this reason of of always wanting to know why. Why do we do what we do? Um, I started off in in biology because I wanted to be a dentist, and it, it it didn't pan out that way. And I said, "What will I do? What do I? What will I do next?" Well, something that was quite natural to me was to ask questions about why. Why do we give gifts? Like what is the what is it about, and what is the receiving portion? How does what is the intake portion of that too, and how does that relate to the to the people and 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 their relationship to each other? That's my thoughts, Jason. That is wonderful because what you did is you brought down to the level of the concrete what I began discussing in the abstract. That's what we do, right? And and that what you said was so powerful because. You can't talk about giving without talking about being, mm. without talking about human being, mm. because gifts don't give themselves. Humans give them to one another. Mm-hmm. And you opened up 
a real discussion around gifts and gift giving Mm -hmm. that has to encompass things like motivations, Mm -hmm. expectations. Mm -hmm. One of the stages of a narcissistic relationship. If, if a person's ever been in a relationship with a narcissist is love bombing and love bombing comes with a lot of gifts and not every gift is given out of pure motives. Some gifts are given maybe with not the hope of an exchange in kind, but with the expectation that one will be obligated to the giver in some way that may not have anything to do directly with the gift, but sometimes we give gifts, we give gifts to induce loyalty, to induce isolation, to bring people close to us so that they can serve our needs. And it's, man, it's, it's manipulative. It's, it's manipulation, right? Uh-huh. Sometimes giving is and gift giving is a form of control, right? And these are all the things that we have to pay attention to. So Merry Christmas, guys. <laughs> right. We're not Merry trying Christmas. We're not trying to be Ebenezer Scrooge here. Merry right? Christmas. Nobody nobody's saying by humbug, but y'all are smart enough out there. Jason, our listeners are dope, right? Yeah, they and are. because they are so dope, they are out there listening to us and they're like, man, I'm so glad Jason brought this thing home down to earth because gifts are always attached to people and people come with agendas and people come with personality disorders like narcissists. People come with all sorts of dysfunction that just expect things in return. I think the the gift to give in the purest sense is a gift that you really give without any hope or expectation of receiving anything in return that's, good. that's good. and if and if you can't give it that way don't give it mm, that's good don't give it that's if you can if you can't give a gift because again i'm gonna say this and somebody needs to go online and and tweet this when you hear it and you just credit jason hall for it. there is oh, no yeah. giving there is no giving without being specifically mm. there's no giving without human being and when gifts come from human beings you have to do a scan, so mm-hmm. to speak, like how your computer does a scan for viruses. You've got to do a scan for dysfunction, depending nice. on who is giving you the gift, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You got to do scanning. And sometimes you might not, as Jason said, you might not realize it right away. It may take weeks. It may take months. It may take years. It may take a decade or more. But at some point you look back on it and you realize that person, you, that person did something for you and never expected anything in return. Or you realize a lot sooner that, oh, I see this, this gift was connected to an expectation of affection mm-hmm. or sex mm-hmm. or or some other sort of. Uh, expectation, romantic right. expectation, or or otherwise. So mm-hmm. I think we we have to always have a a gift filter, so to speak, uh, and and we have to remember that we're not just talking about relationships outside the family. We even talking about relationships inside the family. Right? Mm-hmm. Family can be manipulative. Right? 
family can family can do things for you. How many times your mother and father, you know, your mother's maybe done something for you. And she said, well, you know, I was just thinking about you. You know, I ain't always going to be around. And I just wanted you to make make sure I got this for you. Because mm-hmm. one day you're not going to be able to say thank you. You know, some mothers mm-hmm. out there, y'all know how y'all do. Mm-hmm. You know, y'all just, you know, like to manipulate your children. So we have to be. We have to be careful. We always want to give gifts, right, Jason, in healthy ways. Right. Right. We want gift giving. And here's here's something you can take with you from today's episode. Gift giving should never be the cause of a good gift giving can never be the cause of a good relationship, but it will always be the effect of a good relationship. In other words, we can give healthy in healthy ways when the relationship is healthy. But if you are giving in the hopes that giving will establish a relationship, you might want to check yourself for codependence. That's a word. That's a word. Because because that is unhealthy. Codependency or narcissism. You don't want to establish a relationship with gift. You can't establish mm-hmm. a relationship that way. Mm-hmm. You There has to be a relationship. And then as an outgrowth of that healthy relationship, two people give to one another, whether they are romantic partners, spouses, siblings, mm-hmm. parents, whatever. Mm-hmm. You do that because you the love you don't do it to establish love the love is there and the love is what motivates you to give if you're giving to establish relationship you might be codependent you might be narcissistic and it's wrong to expect somebody to be your friend because you gave them something mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's not fair to them and it's not fair to you you don't deserve to be disappointed in that way right Remember, the best gift is given with no expectation of anything in return, and it's given out of love. Gifts should never be given to induce a love that does not exist. Wow. That's good. That's good. Uh, for you guys might, who might be thinking about what, fo- what uh, not photo bombing, uh, gift bombing is, is, is typically love, the bombing. Love, love bombing. bombing. Is the, thank you. The it's when the narcissist uh, in the beginning of the relationship lavishes his subject uh, with or gifts. her subject or, or her, her sorry 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 his his or her subject with thanks Tim his or her subject with gifts to if you will hotwire the relationship emotionally a lot of times uh, that simulates some type of some type of love, some type of emotion of deep care and even commitment sometimes. And, and Jason, I, I was, we were having, a, I was having a little fun with the pronouns a moment ago, but let no, me just serious. say this. I said his and her, because if, if it's a woman who is a narcissist, the love bombing will typically include a whole lot of sex, Ooh. a whole lot of sex. That's the gift. That's the gift, right? A whole lot of sex to make the man, because 
look, there's a reason why prostitution is the world's oldest profession, right? It's Mm. the world's oldest profession because it addresses a man's deepest need. And that Mm. deepest need is the need for sexual intimacy with a woman in relationship. And when you have a narcissistic woman who is targeting her supply, she's going to typically do it with a lot of sexual activity. If it's a narcissistic man, he's probably going to do it in other ways that may involve lots of gift giving. But just like it doesn't matter what the gift is, because Jason, I think, Jason, you'll agree with this, too. Good sex can never cause a good relationship, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. good sex will be the effect of a good relationship. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So, again, you know, his, her target, whatever. We had a little fun with that, but it's important for our listeners out there. And I'm sure there's a lot of our listeners out there, men and women who can talk about these experiences. Right. These experiences of dysfunctional gift giving that end up in relational disasters, because what do they do? They are inauthentic forms of communication that build artificial connection and unhealthy community that ends up falling apart. So again, I think the best gift is a gift given out of love, never a gift given to induce love, whether that gift is, is physical sexual intimacy or some, some object or uh, some other sort of tangible object. And I think in the end, Jason and I just want y'all to be healthy Motown Philly. We just, we just want to see good communication, good connection and solid, solid community. Well, Jason, we grown. That's episode 18 we of the Motown folks. Philly podcast. Mm-hmm. We, 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 we old folks now. Man, we grown now, y'all. We finna move out the house. <laughs> Lord help. Hey, All listen, right. we got some big things coming. Two more episodes this year. By the end of this year, we'll be at episode 20. Stay tuned because on uh, stay tuned because in a couple of weeks, just in time for the new year, Jason and I are going to be dropping our final episode of 2022, and we're going to be talking about things that have happened in the past, things that are in the present, and things that we hope will be in the future in 2023. Jay, how can they find you, my good brother? You guys can find me on Instagram. It's where I hang out most of the time at the speaker's mechanic. That's Jason, not Jason Hall, but put in the speaker's mechanic and you can find me on LinkedIn at, at Jason Hall and social media as far as mm, Facebook, Jason Hall. That's where, that's where you can find me. But Tim, where can we find you? You find me on Instagram at a good golden man. You can find me on Twitter at DRTJ Golden ESQ. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Facebook, at Tim Golden and Walla Walla. Three things in life are certain death taxes, and I'm the only black man in Walla Walla uh-huh. named Tim Golden. Walla Walla, the city's so nice. You gotta, you gotta say, say it, say twice. it twice. Man, I'm from Philly, but I'm living in the boondocks. As they say. Anyway, y'all, listen. Keep being awesome. Keep being dope. Keep being fabulous. Keep being the great listeners that you are. Happy holidays to everyone. This holiday season. Listen, y'all, be safe. If you're traveling, travel safe. 
Make sure you take good care of yourself, good care of your loved ones. We send in all we send in all out. We send in all of you nothing but all our love. And if we had emojis right now, I suspect Jay there would be a bunch of smiling faces, praying hands, and fire. some and some fire and some red, some red hearts. Because passion that we feel for yeah, yeah. we do here at Motown Philly and for all of you. Thank you all so much. I love you. Jason loves you. And until next week, make sure y'all love on each other. Peace. True. Peace out, guys.